This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai, who's not in Fakatani. She is somewhere else. She's in her car. Kia ora, Mawera. <laughs> Kia ora, Sam. Where are Kia ora, you? Kia Sam. How's it going? Going very um, well. I'm in, I'm in Mount Maunganui. Um, I've come over for a Bay Trust board meeting and our end-of-year board dinner. So it's a really lovely place to be. It's so hot, 28 degrees. That sounds very pleasant. You should go for a swim. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce someone for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for, Matamoana MacDonald. Uh, Matamoana is one of our councillors on the Bay Regional Council. Um, she is an incredible woman who has contributed so much to making our world better here in our natural environment and also for Fano around the Motu as well. Matimwana, thank you for joining us today. It's a real joy to have you here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Ikura Matimwana, where are you? Are you? You're not in a car. I can see a house behind you. Yes, I'm sitting in my office at home uh, where I work from um, and I'm in the my centre of the universe, which is Matapihi. So I'm just up the road from where um, uh, Mawera is sitting at the moment. Um, they say we're in Tauranga. I always say we're closer to Mount Maunganui than Tauranga. So we're right right in the middle, I suppose, of, of Mount Maunganui and um, uh, Tauranga. We're a coastal community. Uh, so, you know, we've got... Uh, Vista views that take in the whole of the the harbour of um, of Tauranga Moana. And we're asking people how their lockdown life was, how their bubble life was, and of course that's gotten complicated on us. But we'll go back and talk a little bit about last year and then talk about this year and then talk about traffic lights. So how was your bubble life last year? Um, I actually um, enjoyed the bubble life. You know, it was a, it was an opportunity really to to slow down and to uh, refocus on what we were doing um, and taking the time out to uh, reflect, I guess, on some of the things that we're doing. It was also a time ta- more time to spend with family uh, because we had to spend more time at home. Uh, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that lockdown that lockdown period last year. Loved it. And you 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 work for the regional council. Were you working from home? 
Yeah, uh, I, and when COVID kicked in, yeah, so um, not, not, we weren't working as home as much as we are now, uh, probably because, you know, things have gotten worse. And so we've had to be a lot stricter around social distancing. And so we're not in the chamber, so we're working from home. Last year, we had some meetings in chambers and just observing the safe distancing. So, yeah, I think this time round, it's more uh, business at home. Matimwana, it's a small world we live in and we're all so connected in Aotearoa, but I was delighted to see recently that you know my Auntie Kyla, Auntie Kyla Russell. I do. I know Kyla very well, or I like to say I, I know Kyla very well. Um, I actually I actually got to know Kyla because um, I kind of went back to uh, went back to school a few years ago and um, she was on a panel when I was being assessed for my under undergraduate degree and uh, but but even before then Kyla's daughter uh, Justine and my son are even closer friends so they had a connection and when we flew down to when I flew down to Dunedin for the for the assessment uh, my son was also going down because he uh, he was presenting at the university there and then met up with Justine and then I met up with with uh, Kyla and then and then later on she ended up being on the panel where I was being assessed uh, and the relationship just grew and grew from there so it's, you know it was wonderful wonderful and now I, I can safely say that she's a very close friend of mine and my son and her daughter have had a continuing working relationship ever since then so you know we've got a a, a great uh, whanau connection now I love that yeah, just, I do too. I do too. Justine is building a house on the hill just over there. Oh, are you in Dunedin? I'm in Sawyer's Bay in Dunedin, yes. Oh, wow. Well, look at that. Small world. Small world. Yeah. So we heard lots about what the district council, district and city councillors had to do during COVID. Was the particular COVID work for the regional council? Uh, yes, there was. Um, I think it was very, similar to the TLAs, and it was around supporting uh, supporting communities as well where where we could, and you know, and um, as well as maintaining you know the status of the environment, making things you know we're safe out there, uh, not just with people, but really with the Finua and the you know our Awa and Moana as well. So uh, the answer was yes. And you successfully did that from home? Did you, you went online? All meetings went online, did they? Uh, we had, at that time, when it, uh, when it first broke out, we had a mixture. We had a mixture of um, meeting, uh, Zoom meetings and in council. And I think we were still going to Marae as well at that time. Uh, come this time round, all of that has stopped. So, you know, um, it was just sort of a gradual shut down i guess as as the COVID became uh more rampant and then you did you go back to ordinary meetings as, as soon as you're allowed and did that continue i uh, know since we've been uh since time around since the second lockdown most of our meetings have been um, in zoom the only uh internal i guess meetings we're having i think the chairs are still 
going inside and that's really just um, to be able to manage the Zoom meetings when we have you know, multiple participants. It's a lot easier for the chair and the support staff to be sitting together and we've, we've just found that it's actually easier being done from um, uh, council buildings <clears throat> because you know uh, we've had a lot of and I'm sure everybody else teething problems with zooming and making sure that people you know have the technology that we have the right technology and we've definitely having ha have had our teething problems along the way and making sure that it's effective technology is working we are having breakdowns along the way and you know but I think people are becoming more tolerant to to our slip-ups with our technology but I think it is what it is and we've just got to have the tolerance and do as well as we can with what we're having to uh, work with. And nobody's wandered past the camera in their underwear? Uh, <laughs> well, that were, one of the things that uh, uh, that we've been advised to do is that we've got to have, now we've got to have a screen behind us, uh, you know, not our block, <laughs> you and us three are sitting here like that but um you know with me at home now there's a big rule if if i'm in zoom nobody comes anywhere near my office so they've got the message now so you know i think we're getting better in that respect yeah but but it is uh interesting you say that because our ce uh had mentioned that some of her with her staff working from home and some of them got young families so the poor things you know uh, have, having the zoom session and the kids are climbing all over them you know wanting mummy to make a piece of bread make wanting mummy to make a toast so uh, the same thing pro probably worse for for her and her staff than it was with her and, and the counselors <clears throat> yeah we've had fiona on the show i went to university with fiona mctavish just another connection there for you let's put on Stan Walker, come back home. Oh, baby, 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 come home. Oh, baby, 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 come home. We've got 99 problems, mm. and I know I'm one of them, yeah. I wish nothing but good for you. Is there something that I could do at all? We had to go our separate places Into a world of different faces Oh darling, I need to know Before we grow, grow, grow too far apart When you're ready, baby, won't you come back
touch myself to find with a lot of struggles this community this there are there's a huge divide between those who have and those who have not and so many people have not if you could change one thing in our community that would make everything seem a bit better what would it be just a simple question <laughs> I, I I would hope that you know, there was the level of income was sufficient for a family to live um, a lot better, especially those that are struggling with children, um, you know, and poor housing, um, you know, lack of jobs. Um, I guess they're the ones that I feel for the most in our communities. Um, yeah, I, I just, just for a better life for, for those people that are struggling is probably, uh, what I would like to see change so that we don't, we don't have that in our society, you know, that everybody is able, you know, and it's not about being rich, but, you know, it's able to put food on the table. It's, it's, it's getting rid of all this domestic violence that I'm sure contributes to, to the struggles of, you know, low-income families as well. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably what I would like to see: are those hardships being um, taken away from those people, so that you know they enjoy the life. We're not here for a long time, and I and I just think it's unfair that people have to live the way they do because, you, well, you know, because you know they're not. Uh, socioeconomically able to, and, and I think that needs to that needs to to improve in our country and you know in our society. I agree. Um, and on the trip to Tauranga today, I carpooled with a board colleague uh, who's an educator, and we were talking about in our education system, there's a real lack of teaching our kids to plan for a future. So there's nothing for the, you know, if, if you don't have some vague direction for your life, 
then education doesn't have as much meaning as it, as it does when you do have a direction for your life. And do you think, what do you reckon we can do about that? Like at, at a community level, how do we get people planning for a future? Because that, of course, then goes into fixing all our environmental stuff too, doesn't it? When we have that lens on the future instead of just that lens on now. Well, I think too, uh, part of that is, uh, is about that disconnect to, uh, to our environment. You know, we've had to contend with a lot of things in our lives and really, you know, the basic thing for us is connecting to where we live and relating to that place where we live and respecting and honouring the place that we live. You know, and just in doing that, it kind of enhances our own well-being. But a lot of people being, have been displaced from the pe from the places that they belong. And so, you know, that whole sense of belonging is, is lost and that whole sense of their own well-being has been lost. And then you've got to contend, in, in contend with other things. Uh, um, and I'm speaking now about inequity. So, you know, when you add all those things up, you know, you, you connect the dots and it's not a healthy, a healthy space. But it's been, it's been years that, in the making that have put people in that position. And now to undo that, it's going to do, take probably uh, just as long to do, which, you know, I find uh, really sad. And, and, and it is the children that, are, that concerns me because, yes, they are the future. And you've got to ask, if we're going to raise our children in, in this way, well, I don't hope have hope for the future. However, I always remain optimistic that there must be a way that we can that we can recover from this. And for me, it is about people. It is about whānau. Uh, you know, and sometimes when I'm sitting around that council table, I get kind of, uh, not lost, but I get kind of annoyed sometimes in some of the things we're talking about. And really, I just want to say, stop. You know, let's really, really focus on, on yes, the environment, because that's imp important, but also uh, the impact of people having to live in the environment and, and learning to live in, in the environment. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's people and where we live and the environment. Um, but that's what saddens me. And the other saddening, you know, uh, is thinking really of young children, you know, and, and I always think if we can give children a happy, a happy childhood, you know, that's probably the most healthy thing that we, that we can do to help our generations come through is we look after those children and give them that help, uh, you know, that, that happy um, childhood. You know, I'm going to say, I didn't have a rich, I want I say rich, I, I mean rich in, in money, I guess. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we certainly were rich in other things. Um, you know, we were rich that we had two parents that, that loved us. We had siblings. Uh, you know, we naturally fought as siblings, but we were close. And we were brought up in a village that where the people were very close. But now when I look around us, we're, we're, we're apart. Uh, our, our village is uh, often disconnected. And we've sort of slowly to grow. Some, some villages have grown apart, and that needs to come back together again. You know, we need to bring all of that back together again. And I think um, that's kind of, now that I'm at the age uh, that I am, I mean, that's where I'd love to spend my a lot, a lot more of my uh, my energies, I guess. That connection of people and the 
environment. Is that going to be strengthened, let's hope, with the reforms of the Resource Management Act? I'm hoping they are. I'm actually heartened by um, what's coming out of um, central government at, at the moment. I know there, uh, there's a lot of criticism of the Labour government, and I myself, I was not a, uh, a Labour vote, uh, voter. I was, uh, you know, when I first um, uh, voted, I was a Labour supporter, and then I changed. Um, but I, I've got to say I've got, uh, you know, a lot of respect for this Labour government. Um, and I say that because it's made, uh, it's provided the opportunity for a lot of inroads for Māori to participate more effectively in those processes where they haven't been probably, pro properly, properly represented in the past. Um, so, you know, I'm heartened by that and I'm heartened of what lies in the future. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, kia koutou, we hope you're all happy stay beautiful superstars and verses. I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening in this journey, that it will be very sustaining for you, who you are, the nature's art, and love. I've had a wonderful day today, and it's been a day of real, hugely tough emotions being processed, and great tears and all sorts of feelings coming through, and then of course, having an interaction with a big hole in my garage, falling into a hole into my carport and scratching my leg terribly while carrying a big box of bird feeders. I couldn't see where I was going. And going to see my doctor and the legal bandage, compression bandage put on, and saying to the wonderful lady from the GCC that, you know, I was having to limp about because it was the lighting of the Christmas tree tonight. And of course, she got me a throne to sit on, which was very kind. But in the end, I was so excited about the event that I was able to prance about quite happily, which was wonderful. But then in the end, of course, having worn these huge high heels for several hours, my poor leg is now very sore, but I had a wonderful, wonderful time. And it reminded me, of course, that when we are having times of feeling terrible pain and, and suffering move through us and grief and sadness move through us, that it is possible to shift how we feel and it is possible once again experience great joy and gratitude and excitement, exhilaration and spontaneity and creative empowerment, connection, a sense of great appreciation for the generosity that surrounds us always and that's what happened to me today. I was feeling really, really sad and I had lots of crying and, you know, falling down this hole, all very symbolic. And I was able to, by what really happened was, I was able to really take the time today, thank the goddess and gods, to lay out all the bits and bobs for my costume and make sure I had everything and I had time to get it all organised and then I had time to have the wee lie down. And then a lovely lady came and picked me up in a taxi and helped me get into the taxi with this giant costume on. And because I had had that time and space to get everything ready, as well as had a wee rest, I was feeling a lot more prepared and confident about the event. And it all went perfectly. And we couldn't have a big event with lots of people this year, obviously, but we did do a video. And we had beautiful Fairfield School Choir singing, I Do Believe in Christmas. 
and we did the big countdown and these big confetti cannons exploded everywhere with rice paper confetti so it looked like it was snowing and we turned the Christmas tree on and the Christmas tree is two years old now so I did last year as well and I decided to call her Marilyn after the lady that ran the events at the DCC for many years but she's just such a beautiful Christmas tree and we had a wonderful wonderful time together and then the amazing lady Ali Wallace who's now the queen of events in Stunedin she very kindly gave me a basket of goodies to give to all the children at the end and it's these little moments where people go the extra mile to give you the opportunity to do something they know that you'll really love I'm so grateful for these so I really hope that for you today you're able to move between different modes of being and feel really proud of yourself for all these different ways that you do BC feel at all times they're also valuable and know that we are never stuck in one place we're always moving forward I'm so grateful for these opportunities that we still have to celebrate together creatively, emotionally, positively, the beautiful life that we have. So thank you for having me as part of the show and I'll look forward to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Mate Moana McDonald. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded and you were talking before Tahu about that connection between people and environment and inequity and the challenges that were going on. How do you maintain a positive mindset and what does that positive mindset look like for you? My positive mindset is a reliance on the generation coming through. And I say that because what we're coming through is is a more educated uh, uh, generation coming through. Um, and if I talk from the perspective of Māori, um, I can see Māori, young Māori coming through that are walking a lot more comfortably in, in both worlds, uh, a lot more comfortably than what we did. They have been educated, uh, but not just those that have been, you know, um, gone off to university to be educated, but I look at those uh, that are, are working in the, uh, in the workforce, have taken up trades, and I see them here working uh, like locally and at home. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm heartened um, with, and I know I talked about disparity earlier on, but the flip side, another side of that is uh, the positive side where some of, where uh, some of our younger people have excelled, some have excelled in education and I see them as our new, new leaders coming forward and being able uh, to do, you know, a, a lot better than, than what some of us are doing at the moment. Uh, so, so that's probably why uh, I do have hope in the next generation. Uh, the other thing I, I have uh, where I'm optimistic is that uh, I see a lot more understanding within our wider community of Te Ao Māori uh, with non-Māori. Um, we still have a way to go, but there is definitely, uh, you know, uh, those in society of the non-Māori communities that I feel have now got a greater awareness of things of Te Ao Māori. Uh, nevertheless, we, you know, there is still a journey uh, to be taken, but it's definitely um, improving. The Regional Council, the Bear Plenty Regional Council, has Māori constituency 
it's obviously it's, it's working from the perspective as that you're there is it working more generally the majority of councils within the Bear Plenty region do not have Maori. Actually, I think we're still the only ones um, that have uh, Maori representation in the Bay of Plenty. And for me, uh, it should be all councils uh, within the Bay of Plenty uh, should have Maori representation. And, and the reason I say that, there is a difference when you've got Maori sitting at the table. There is a difference. Uh, because without the Māori voice there, um, and this is no criticism of those non-Māori councillors that sit around that table, but it is quite easy for the subject to be uh, left off any agenda uh, in the absence of Māori representation. And that's why I think it's key that every council should have Māori representation. Are those Māori voices... Is it saying different stuff? Is it a different perspective? Or, you know, do you, do you form a block? How does it work? Well, that's, an inter- that's an interesting question. Um, this is my second term on the regional council, and um, two, the, the, the other two councillors are first-term councillors. Uh, so my experience with the previous two councillors, uh, it was a good threesome. But I've noticed that with the new threesome, uh, there is a lot more um, collaborative discussion um, and we meet quite often to discuss uh, common issues. And what we're finding with the three of us is fundamentally we, we share this, you know, there are many commonalities and therefore uh, there is little, um, what's the word, not contention. I suppose there is more consensus between the three of us around the way we, around the way we think. Uh, where we may differ is probably because we come from three different lohe and, you know, we, we will have our own differences within each of our um, constituencies that we live in. But in those cases, what we would do is that we will just sort of fall back behind that councillor and support him in what he is trying to um, advocate at the council table. So it's quite a good, um, it's quite a good operating space that we're working together in at the moment. Do you think that we're going to see a lasting footprint of? COVID, and I'm thinking in the in the sort of the decision making government types, the governance type space, but also perhaps in those young leaders that you were talking about, with the, the people coming through. Do you think COVID has changed how we do those sorts of things? I think COVID. Um... I think it's going to change um, a lot of things in what we're going and what we're thinking and what we're doing. I think there's going to be a new way of working. We definitely have to think more about the way we're living, um, and you know, and I guess with that, we think about how we're going to be um, working together more effectively, given given what we're, we've got to work through with COVID. Actually, uh, in saying, because one of the topics that 
we talk about in council is our um, how do we effectively engage with our communities and ensure the participation of our communities in what we're doing. And uh, you know, COVID is causing uh, a lot of challenges for us because we can't do the face-to-face -face thing that, that you know the way Māori want to to be engaged. Um, so I guess it's around um, what are those ways that we need to be engaging uh, with our with our communities um, to share what we're doing and ensuring that they're part of the process that we're um, that we're having to implement. So I think the challenges are still ahead, um, and getting everybody on board to acknowledge those challenges that we have, and find ways of how do we all move together in this COVID environment. Um, you asked the question, will it get worse? Uh, I hope it doesn't, but you know my gut feeling is saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so uh, it's, I think it's a challenging time for all of us. We've talked about on the show how one of the impacts of um, of COVID has been that wellness, the the well being, and that that the well being has connected. It's not just self. It's not just other people, but it is also expanded to the environment and that sort of people are being able to adopt that be kind uh, message but also it's proven to us that we can do stuff if we really set our minds to it so my 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 curiosity is have you heard around the council table somebody saying if someone says no we can't do that has anybody said yet no we can look we we closed down the country <laughs> for covid is that argument have you heard that argument being used uh, no, not really, because I think we're trying not to have, uh, you know, get ourselves into those situations where, uh, you know, it's a no-go. Uh, so we, we, we're kind of operating in a space uh, where we can uh, uh, operate outwardly as much as we can uh, in the regulations that we're, we're having to work in. Uh, you know, we're trying to push the boundary, but making sure, though, that we're not breaking the rules and putting people's lives, uh, you know, at risk. Uh, so, you know, that's why we trial. Uh, we'll have some councillors in the chamber. The rest of you, you'll have to Zoom, and we'll take turns like that so that we're still operating as a team, uh, but not, not a whole team, where the rest of the team is Zooming and the other team are doing the face-to-face -face stuff. So, yeah, we're trying to do that stuff. Uh, our, our, that's okay internally. Our hardest is with our communities, you know, and the communities wanting to talk to us and wanting to talk to us face to face. Um, that's one of the hardest. We had one today where we had a trust come to meet with us. They were wanting to meet with the councillors. So what happened was three of the councillors stood out and zoomed, and two of the councillors sat in the chamber with the, with the uh, trust that came. I think there were four members of the trust that came. So, you know, we're trying to be as accommodating as we can, but keeping within the um, traffic light re uh, regulations. Let's take another standwalker, Hikakano Aho. Why this one? Uh, I think it's the meaning of the song. You know, it's telling us where we came from, where we originate from. You know, we descended from chiefs. I just love it. I love it. It just gives me that... Um, you know, uh, restores that inner strength that often gets trodden on, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just just restores me when I when I hear him singing it. The words are beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
seen lots of changes in society over the the last couple of years since we heard about first heard about this thing called covid what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick i think what i hope will stick is the opportunity it's bought um for whanos to come to come closer to be closer and to realize that we that we have to be looking after one another um, and I know for for some families, yeah, I think it's that closeness with families that I, I that I think I've noticed with families. Um, just at the moment, where we've got a sad situation in my own 
in my own home village at the moment where some of our babies in a kohanga have been evicted. And so our whole, our whole marae and hapu uh, are reeling around those whanos that become um, infected. So it's, you know, we can't get closer to home than that um, on the impact of COVID and what it's actually doing um, to, to my own whanau here in, in Tauranga Moana and, and Mangatapu. Uh, so, and that's hit us this week. So, you know, we've gone into this, um, uh, I don't want to say grieving mode, but we've gone into this whole mode of really coming to terms with the um, gravity of this, um, this virus. And especially um, now that it, is, it has affected our babies um, from our kohangareo. So we're not, we're in quite a, uh, you know, we're quite in a mamai painful um, space at the moment. And it's that, I think, you know, understanding this whole thing, uh, thing about COVID and how it impacts on us as, uh, as whānau, as hapu, as iwi in communities. So quite a safe time for us at the moment. Indeed, and um, I hope that everybody is all right. I think it really does show how lucky that we have been as a country that we haven't really seen this before. Like we've we've gone through two years of the rest of the world has has been suffering from that kind of thing for a long, long time. It, it's it, it shows that everything that we've done has worked, and of course we need to learn from this. Do you think that there are lessons from the? the pandemic and the pandemic response for how we deal with those bigger sorts of questions. You're talking about um, disparities and inequities and, and, and challenges with the environment and climate change, all those bigger sorts of things. Do you, do you think that there are lessons for those things? I, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I, think, it's, um, I think it's made us realise uh, our own vulnerability and it's not vulnerable. It's not just vulnerability as a people. It's a vulnerability on our environment. Um, I just want to mention when the first COVID hit us, um, I I chair what we call the Moal Trust, and we are the governors and the caretakers of our sacred uh, mountain Moal. And one of the things we did when COVID hit is that we closed we closed Moal down. We closed access to Moal. Uh, the, we had a public outcry of having done that, but it was about explaining to people it was not just about ensuring um, uh, safety with, you know, the close distancing, addressing that, but it was also to recognise that we see Mawal as a tūpuna, and so it was about protecting him as well. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of uh, provoked... Uh, a stirring in our community of how how Māori view the environment and to help them understand that we were not just closing Māwā uh, uh, to comply with uh, government regulations. We were also doing it to comply with our own tikanga about protecting our tūpuna. Uh, so, you know, and that, that that was a good understanding for the wider community too as to why we're doing so. And it's it sparked other conversations that we're having with other Tonga that we've got, um, you know, in 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 Tauranga specific, specifically, but I'm sure within other regions of uh, the Bay of Plenty. Yeah, it's good that those conversations have, ha- have 
being had, even if it takes something like COVID to to prompt them. Yes, exactly. So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Wow. I guess if I speak in uh, the role that I play at the Babeliki Regional Council, uh, I've got to say probably is helping and raising the awareness around that table uh, insofar as understanding and acknowledging te ao Māori. Um, it's around recognising uh, the struggle for Māori to participate effectively in our process process and the necessity for regional council to help build the capacity of Māori to enable their participation in that process and to also um, set up internal processes to that, provide that. We, uh, we have now a core committee, which is called Committee Māori, and it is one of the main core committees of, of the Bayapliti Regional Council. This is the first time that it does, where we have where we have all councillors that sit on that committee now. It's almost like a full, uh, full council committee, uh, which enables um, uh, a better <clears throat> response from council about making and ensuring recommend- recommendations that are needed to be uh, advocated at council are heard not by a small uh, number of councils, but the, the full complement of councils around that table. Um, the other thing I think is, is the realisation of our other councillors of that and in the last long-term plan that uh, we adopted is a greater um, contribution of funding to enable the, that capacity building. Notwithstanding, I do not believe that we have addressed the equity problem, not the equity problem, I shouldn't say problem, the equity issue around... Um, uh resourcing and funding uh maori uh, yes to be participating effectively in in that space it's still work in progress but i think you know we've made great in in, in, in roads um you say what was my great uh, for me it's not a uh, a single job it's a team's it's it's teamwork in there it's not an individual you don't you don't achieve inroads as an individual in there. It's got to be a team effort. Um, so, you know, while you ask what 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 are mine, I think my I could say it was being part of the team that was, was able to achieve that. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're part of that team as well. What's your superpower? What's my superpower? Um, I guess it's um, consistency. My staying power, I guess, uh, and and not giving up because I guess you know with this co-papa you don't give up. Uh, you know I've seen my uh, my tupuna, my co-matua, even my mother really, uh, who was in the workforce until right up into her late eighties. Uh, and I see myself do. You either work, you work to the grave really until you're buried, and that's when you retire. It's actually when you go to heaven. <laughs> So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yeah, I think I am. What for? The betterment of Māori and the betterment for communities. Uh, You know, we've we've got the saying, what's good for Māori is good for everyone. And I believe that. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? 
Uh, I think it's that journey that still needs to be taken. You know, that's your job. You don't know, you, there's, you, yeah, it's just get up and do your job and uh, make this a better world for us to live in. I like that line, the journey that still needs to be taken. I've written that one down. What is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? I'd like to see if I was talking in my own backyard and in, and in the council that I'm uh, that I'm involved with is really seeing a lot more faces, Māori faces around governance tables. Um, you know, we had an interesting meeting today uh, where we had formed a co-governance for one of our regional parks, this council and mana whenua, and we've got four iwi tattoos. And one of the most difficult things that we've had on the agenda uh, that we haven't been able to get through is the an election of a chair. And for some time, I've been trying to encourage our Māori participants to step up into the chair, and that has been quite a struggle. So whether it's, you know, uh, I, I tried to figure out, you know, what it is that's stopping them from, from, from coming and stepping into their position because, you know, this is an opportunity that we've been building for a long time. And, um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed that we, we couldn't achieve that. And I, I and after the meeting, I tried to think, well, you know, what's what, what, what stopped them from stepping into space? Um, but I think it's that, you know, it's that thing like, like I said, it's that journey is still being taken and maybe they're still on the journey to get them to that space to feel comfortable enough to step uh, into that into that role. Um, so uh, that's probably one of the other things that, you know, that I, I probably need to be helping more for them to feel that it's, it, it, it can be a daunting role, but it's, you know, you're not there alone. And I think that you're never there alone. There are people there to help you and, and for them to have the confidence um, that they can do it. And I think that is part of the problem too. They don't feel... Uh, they feel that it, it, it's an honoured position and they're not honourable enough to sit in the position. So it's trying to change that mindset as well and saying, you know, you are and you should be going uh, into that position. And so last... that's, that, that's work in progress. But I just wanted to tell you sometimes whether, you know, some people are followers and some people are leaders. So I'm just thinking whether I was being a bit of a bully and trying to get somebody <laughs> to fill the position. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, before Mawira's battery dies, do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, isn't it interesting? I went to dinner the other night with my friends, and uh, one of the things was we had to take a gift. So we do this, um, you know, round the table gift, and we had to do a card uh, uh, to get a Christmas card and to have a little quote and saying. Well, I, I just, I couldn't think of anything, uh, you know, that I could, you know, not that I'm a poet or anything, hopeless with words. And I said, oh, well, I'm just going to have to plagiarise. You know, my, my, my favourite person, other than my own tipping with the Whakatoki, is the Dalai Lama. I'm a big fan of the Dalai Lama. And so I went in. And, and, and I'm just going to say, and this is my voice, the, our purpose in life is to be happy. And so, you know. Thank you for that. Moera. Fire, you have just given so much to this community and there, you know, there's a lot of us in your fan club, I have to say. And 
I just feel so much gratitude for the aroha, for the grace, for the for your kaitiaki tanga, for your teaching, for everything that you bring, for the way that, and I know very well one of those people who's who's a new counsellor um, who sits with you at that table, and I know how much he respects you and how much he's grown because of you. And Matimwana, you are a remarkable person. Thank you very much for joining us today, and thank you for all the good work that you do to make life better for others. Kia ora, fire. Thank you for those lovely words, Mawera. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Have a lovely Christmas and a new year. And don't forget to have a rest. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds, three Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me six uh -huh. geese a day, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight maids are milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens. Turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine drummers drumming, eight maids are milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten pipers piping, nine drummers drumming, eight maids are milking, You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Pentatonics. 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Samuel Land in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Muera Karatai in her car somewhere in Taronga, and also in Port Taronga in Matapihi. We've been joined by Matamuana McDonald. And that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.